So look here now in Hosea chapter 6. Looking forward to getting to God's Word this morning. The title of the message this morning is Sure as the Light. We're going to be, God willing, expounding verse 5 this morning. Hosea chapter 6, verse 5. Sure as the Light. We ended our study in verse 4 last week where God asked the divided nation of Israel, O Ephraim, what shall I do unto thee? O Judah, what shall I do unto thee? For your goodness is as a morning cloud, and as the early dew it goeth away. God was basically asking them, What am I going to do with you? You can't behave yourself any longer than the morning fog, which goes away as soon as the sun comes up. And we were reminded last week that what God says to the nation of Israel, He says to every one of us because we're no better than they are. And if God is going to judge the nation that He called out of Egypt, the nation that He named after Himself, if He's going to hold them accountable, you better believe He'll hold us accountable too. And that's the point. When you're reading about God's dealing with Israel, you better insert your name and your nation there. Because that's what it's for. That's how He's going to deal with us. What nation can you look at today and say, now there's a nation that fears the Lord. What nation can you look at in the world today and say that? I don't know if you've ever felt this way. I'm curious if anyone has ever felt this way before. But sometimes, in the past especially, I've kind of given up on it now. <laughs> but in the past, I've thought, oh, I've gotten so weary with this world. We're so weary with the direction America is going and the corruption and the vileness. And I found myself thinking, now, I wonder if there's another country that I could move and uproot my family to and go there and, and maybe they've got some better laws and, and, uh, and they don't put up with this nonsense. And, and, uh, and I wonder if I could go here. Has anyone else ever thought that before? I'm glad I'm not alone. There's a bunch of hands going up. And the fact that you're still here... Shows that you came the same conclusion I did. There's not another place. And that's why we are waiting on God's kingdom to come. Right? That's what it's all about. That's why Jesus taught us to pray, Thy kingdom come. Why? Because even back then there wasn't any place to go to. Oh yes, there may be a, you know, a, a, a few more places that might be better for a Christian to live in right now. Perhaps, but even if you moved to another country, there'd still be sin there. There would still be resistance to the true gospel. It would be only a matter of time before the things you ran away from catch up to where you are. You know, I used to have my eye on the nation of Hungary. I watched Tucker Carlson interview the Hungarian president once and and uh, oh that that I, I really liked that Hungarian president and it's such a safe uh, clean nation over there and everything and and uh, and it's recently become a place for conservative Americans to uh, flee to because they uh, espouse a Christian worldview over there. But did you know the majority of Hungarian Christians are Catholic? They are, and even in their so-called Christian country. 
They have already legalized homosexuality, sanctioned domestic partnerships, and have passed laws to protect them from discrimination. And we know, as our nation, by experience, that once a nation embraces those vile practices, those people will continue to be pressured and influenced more and more by those who practice that vileness until the lines God established for men and women are completely eradicated. They don't give up. The entire world system is under the influence of the devil who's heading up a coordinated effort to unify the nations in a rebellion against God. And I thank God that right now many of our Texas leaders fight hard to protect our religious liberties and to resist the woke ideology that that is destroying our nation. But sadly, it appears to be a losing battle that we're fighting for our nation's heart. There's no place on earth where we can point to right now and say, There is a country that faithfully follows the Word of God. No place on earth. And because of this, God said, look in verse 5, Therefore have I hewed them by the prophets. Therefore have I hewed them by the prophets. Because Israel had persisted in her sins against the Lord, God has hewed them by the prophets. Now, the Hebrew word translated hewed here, it's mostly used in the Bible to describe people who uh, take like a hammer and chisel and they cut out stone from a mountain. They hew stone from a mountain. But here, God's not talking about cutting mountains. He's talking about cutting people. He's not talking about cutting them out of a mountain. He's talking about cutting them down to their destruction. Underscore in your word, look there in verse 5, underscored, I hewed them. I hewed them. Now look back in the text and underscore, I have slain them. I have slain them. So the hewing is a slaying, you see. He's cutting them off. He's taking like a sword and whoosh cutting them off. So by God hewing them, He means slaying them as if cutting them down with a sword. But God didn't cut them down with metal swords. No, He didn't come down and send a bunch of angels with metal swords and start hewing these people. He said He cut them down. How? By the prophets. I hewed them by the prophets. What does God mean by this? Oh man, this is good, folks. Prophets, just to remind you, priests represented the people to God. Prophets did the backwards of that service of that. The priests represented people to God. The prophets represented God to the people. Right? So priests represent people to God. Prophets represent God to people. When God's prophets were speaking to them, God was speaking to them. And what? Has God been saying to Israel in the book of Hosea? Hosea is a prophet. What has God been speaking to them in the book of Hosea? What has he been telling these people that he's going to do to them? Speaking through his prophet Hosea, God has been telling them that he's going to destroy their nation because of their sins against him. Look back, if you would, in Hosea chapter 5. You probably won't even have to turn your page. Look back in chapter 5, verse 5. 
Hosea 5, 5. It says, And the pride of Israel doth testify to his face, therefore shall Israel and Ephraim fall in their iniquity. Judah also shall fall with them. So through his prophets, God has been telling Israel that they are going to fall to their destruction because of their sins. And when God says he's going to judge someone in the future... It's all the same as if God is executing that judgment now. Let me give you an illustration. Sometimes in our, in our nation, in our English language, if you're going to ask someone to do something, let's say that I were to say, um, Brother Steve, I, I, I really would like for you to do A, B, C, and D. If you don't mind, it would be a huge favor to me. If he wanted to assure me that that was going to get done, that I could count on him getting it done, he might say, consider it done. Right? That's how we would say, consider it done. Right? And so, here's a kingdom truth for you today. In the Bible, God's Word spoken is considered God's work done. Repeat that again. In the Bible, God's word spoken is considered God's work done. God's word is so sure that when God tells about actions He will perform prophetically, He speaks as if He's already executed those actions practically. Does that make sense? Prophetically, meaning I'm speaking about them in the future. But his word is so sure that when he speaks about performing those actions prophetically, he speaks as if he's already committed them practically. That's what he's doing here. God sees his plans for the future as if they've already been executed. And if that's how God sees them, then that's how we should see them. That's why God writes His words the way He does in the Scriptures. Write this down in your notes or in your margin. Numbers chapter 23. Numbers chapter 23. Verse 19. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that He should lie. Neither the Son of Man that He should repent or change His mind. You know how people do? Well, I was going to do that, but I changed my mind. I decided I'd do it. No, God's not that way. So he's neither the Son of Man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Oh, isn't that wonderful? If God says it, it's as good as done. Write down your notes or your margin. Psalm 89, verse 34. Psalm 89, verse 34. Listen to what God says. My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. Boy, if he makes a covenant, he's going to keep, he won't break that covenant. If he makes a promise to you, he's going to keep that promise to you, and he won't change the rules midstream. He's not going to alter the words. He'll stick with whatever he said, and he will not change it. He'll go by what he said. Now, I want you to notice. God did not say, I shall hew them 
by the prophets. He didn't say that, did he? He said, I have. <laughs> I have already healed them. He said, I have slain them. God's pronouncement of judgment was considered God's performance of judgment, you see? He's pronouncing judgment in the future, but he's speaking as if he's already performed that judgment. Therefore, when the prophets pronounced the judgment, it was as certain as if God had already performed the judgment or the punishment. So when God's Spirit pronounced His coming judgment through those prophets, their judgment was sealed thereby. That's how God could say, I have slain them by the prophets. I've hewed them by the prophets. I've slain them by the words of my mouth. Look back in the text. God said, I have slain them by the words of my mouth. This, the moment the prophet said that Israel was going to fall, they're done. They're going to fall. Why? God keeps His covenant. If He says something, He doesn't. He doesn't alter the words of His mouth. So the moment they, God said to those prophets that they were going to fall, God, God might as well have just slain them right then. Their judgment is sealed. That's how come God said, I hewed them by the prophets. I've slain them with the words of my mouth. Now, take your pen and underscore the words of my mouth. The words of my mouth. Now go back just a little bit and underscore by the prophets. By the prophets. Man, this is good. Now if you can draw a line and connect these two phrases together, you might want to connect the prophets in the words of my mouth. <laughs> Isn't that good? The prophets and the words of my mouth. God slew them by the prophets. God slew them by the words of His mouth. They are one and the same. This is some rich doctrine here, church. You see, God is telling us that the prophets were His mouthpiece. His mouthpiece. When God's prophets were speaking, God was speaking. Their mouth was God's mouth. Write this down in your notes and your margin. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. Says, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. God spoke by the prophets. Church, we are studying the words of the prophet Hosea this morning. That was one of God's prophets. If you have a Bible in your hand this morning, and your Bible's turned to the book of Hosea, you are reading the words of a prophet. And God says the words of the prophet are the words of his mouth. That's why we say in theology that the Bible is plenary inspired. It is God's breath written down on paper. It's the Word of God. By the prophets, by the words of my mouth. 
If you're holding a Bible in your hand this morning, you are holding in your hands the very words of God. The same God who said, let there be light, is the same God who spoke the words you're holding in your hand. It's a holy book. It's a precious book. The words we're reading from came from God's mouth through the prophets. And they were written down for me and you. Here's a kingdom truth. A lot of people say, oh, that Bible's written by men. When you read the Bible, you are not reading what men said about God. You're reading what God said to men. Repeat that again. When you read the Bible, you are not reading what men said about God. You're reading what God said to men. Now, in these verses, God slew Israel with His words. And that slaying historically came to pass. Israel lost their sovereignty. Israel's temple was destroyed. Israel was scattered over the face of the earth. And Israel today is still struggling to survive as an independent nation. Because God slew them by the words of His mouth. But in the book of Genesis, God gave life by His words as well. God said, let there be light. And there was light. God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after His kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. The Word of God has power to give life. The Word of God has power to take life. God said, let us make man in our image. And so God, giving His Word, performed what He said. And he breathed in the man's nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. By God's word, you and I came into existence. And by God's word, he can slay as well. The word of God, again, has power to give life and power to take life. By God's word, he promised to send a Savior. And the Old Testament saints, you know what they did? They understood the principle we're talking about this morning. When God spoke prophetically, it was always as though He had performed it practically. Just like we're reading about today. He had not slain them yet, practically. <laughs> he had not scattered them yet, practically. He was slaying them prophetically, which meant it was as good as done practically. And the Old Testament saints who understood this principle, they always took God at His word. He promised to send them a Savior, and the Old Testament saints considered it done, and they were saved. That's it. Considered it done. And now what do we do in the New Testament? God says, I have sent you a Savior, and we consider it done, and we are saved. Same thing. Taking God at His Word. That's faith. By God's Word, God has both slayed sinners and saved sinners. All depending on what they've done with Jesus. All depending on what they've done with His Word. God said, I have slain you by the words of my mouth. Look back in your text now. And thy judgments are as the light 
that goeth forth, which is where our title for the message came this morning. Thy judgments are as the light that goeth forth. God's judgment, that means God's punishment in this case upon Israel, was like the light that goes forth. Now, what does that mean, like the light that goes forth? The most marvelous study I've ever done, secular study I've ever done, has been on light. The nature of light. It has been well, well documented. That light travels at a known rate of speed. Light goes forth, doesn't it? Light doesn't sit still. Light's always on the move. It goes forth in a consistent known speed of 299,792,458 meters per second. The going forth of light is so certain that it is a fundamental part of physics. Ask any scientist. It doesn't matter if they believe in God or not. Ask them. They'll tell you. And God's judgments upon those who reject His Word are as the light that goes forth. You can bet on it. Did you know when it comes to light, the, 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 the faster something goes to the speed of light, the faster something gets to the speed of light, the slower time moves. Did you know that? The slower time moves. They've got satellites in outer space that are going extremely fast. Now, nothing can go the speed of light on earth. Nothing can. The only way to go the speed of light is to be infinite. And only God is infinite. And God is light. Oh, it's an amazing study, folks. Absolutely amazing. Once you become the speed of light, time stops. You're eternal. And nothing on earth can go the speed of light. It's impossible. But they've got these satellites that travel. These incredible rates of speed. And they shoot the time back to our cell phones here on earth. That's how come your phone automatically changes with the savings, daylight savings time and all that. And they say, well, what time is it on my phone? That's how you set your clocks by it. It's coming from these satellites. And because the satellites are going at a much quicker speed than we are, they have to adjust the time to make up the difference because time is going slower for the satellite up there than it is down here because we're moving slower. Once you get to the speed of light, your eternal time stops. It's amazing. That's how certain, that's how certain science is when it comes to light. And God says, Israel, your judgments go forth like the light. You can depend on it. You're going to be judged as sure as light goes forth. It's certain. It's dependable. It's predictable. God's judgments upon those who reject His word are just as certain as a light that goes forth. They are as certain and predictable as light itself. Yes, they can count on God's judgment as one counts on the nature of light. When God's judgment comes, 
It will be swift like light. Nothing travels at the speed of light except light. It is the fastest thing there is. And when God gets ready to judge, His judgments will be as swift as light. Like light, God's judgments will also reveal what people have attempted to hide from Him. All the sins they've attempted to hide, all the cover-ups, all the corruption, like light, God's judgment will also be consistent across the board. Right now in America, we have two tiers of justice, do we not? It's obvious if you belong to the right family, you're on the right side of politics, well, <laughs> we'll take care of that. You're on the wrong side, well, we're going to get you whether you did anything or not. God's judgments are, go forth like the light. See, the light travels the same speed here as it does around uh, on the other side of the world. And so God's going to judge according to His Word across the board. But once again, why be slain by the light when you can be saved by the light? You know? Speaking of Jesus, in John chapter 1 verse 4, the Bible says, in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. If Jesus was the light of men, do you know what that means? It means God's mercy is just as sure as God's judgment. If God's judgment goes forth as the light... And when Jesus came, He was the light. Then God's mercy is just as sure, just as certain, just as even across the board. The Bible says God's no respecter of persons. He'll save a man of a different color on another side of the world just like He'll save me and you here. He'll save someone who descended down from some low, no good criminals. And He'll condemn someone that, that, that descended from royalty. It's all the same to Him. His judgments and His mercy go forth as the light. They're even across the board, but they're just as certain. God's judgment will expose your sin and condemn you, or God's mercy will expose Jesus' cross and justify you. One of the two. You may walk in darkness your entire life, but rest assured, one day God's light is going to catch up to you. You can't run away from it. So God tells Israel here, I've hewed them by the prophets. I've slain them by the words of my mouth. Thy judgments are as the light that goeth forth. And thank God you can escape that judgment by accepting the light that went forth 2,000 years ago and came down to live be tempted, overcome temptation, go to the cross, and take the judgment of God's light on Himself. On the cross, God's judgments went forth as the light upon Jesus so that God's mercy could go forth as the light upon you. With that, we'll go ahead and close. Father, we thank You for Your precious Word. We thank You for Your light, that You are light and you as the light will expose sin and judgment or expose the cross where judgment has been made and justify the ungodly who come to Jesus and believe on Him as their Savior. Thank you for your precious word. Thank you, Father, that your word, 
that you have given us a record in the Bible that we can hold in our hands and know that what the prophet said, God said. And they spoke for you because you spoke through them. Thank you, Father, for your great witness that you left us so we don't have to wonder where we came from, why we're here, and where we're going. Thank you, God. Because of what you said about Jesus, we consider it done. And we're looking forward to your kingdom coming. In his name we pray. Amen.